Jeep's training and education program is proud to release Introduction to Grain Operations. This new course is a multimedia version of what was known as Jeep's 500 with dynamic graphics, video examples, photographs, multidimensional illustrations, animations, and interactive exercises. This course is sure to prepare your team for the work you need them to do. This is a great industry primer at a great price. For a limited time, Jeep's members may purchase the course for just $195. Non-members still save and pay just $295. For more information, visit jeeps.com. IBT Industrial Solutions has been your expert and product support partner in the grain industry for over 75 years. They solve the hard problems that help keep your business running. As a one-stop shop for products and services ranging from motion amplification to conveying solutions, they also stock product inventory from over 1,200 suppliers available now at one of their 35 locations across the Midwest. Go to ibtcinc.com forward slash grain. IBT Industrial Solutions, your trusted grain industry partner. In this episode of Whole Grain, we examine the critical topic of emergency action plans for grain facilities. Discover the key elements that makes these plans effective and learn how they ensure the safety of employees and first responders in crucial situations. Join us as we explore common types of emergencies and gain valuable insights from a seasoned professional with 35 years of experience in safety and environmental management. Stay tuned to enhance your understanding and preparedness for professional grain facility emergencies. Hey folks, welcome to the show. My name is Jim Lenz, your host of Whole Grain and the Director of Global Training and Education at Jeeps. Where the mission of the Grain Elevator and Processing Society is to champion, connect, and serve the global grain industry and our members. At Jeeves, we work to be the global community and thought leader for the grain industry, which feeds and fuels the world. Thanks for listening today and for joining the network of thousands of other grain handling and processing professionals across the globe taking strategic steps to grow professionally. The Whole Grain Show will give you the competitive advantage to win at work so you can make more of an impact. In this episode of Whole Grain, we are joined by Butch Hendricks, a highly experienced safety and environmental professional with 37 years of history in training and program development. Butch's expertise extends from being a firefighter and police officer to his role as safety director at Kokomo Grain Company. Join us as Butch shares his insights on the importance of emergency action plans for grain facilities, common types of emergencies, and the key elements that make a plan effective. Discover how Butch's unique perspective and hands-on approach can help ensure the safety of employees and first responders in critical situations. Let's get started. Today, we welcome Butch Hendricks. Butch is a highly experienced safety and environmental professional. He has a rich 37-year history in program development and the execution of training to all levels of an organization. Our guest is so recognized by his skills and abilities that he has even been sought out by organizations to assist with safety-related products. And if that wasn't enough for you to be excited about having him as a guest in the show, our guest for today also has many years of experience in public safety, ranging from probationary firefighter to fire chief, homeland security liaison for smaller community commissioned police officer for three smaller communities and an emt emergency medical technician intermediate with defibrillating almost a paramedic butch hendricks welcome and thanks for your participation in whole green 
Thank you for having me, Jim. Great to be here with you today. Now to allow our listeners to get to know you at the start of the show with a bit of positive spirit, could you share with our listeners a mantra or success quote that you live by professionally? I've been through a lot of years. I have 40 years this year as a firefighter. And I always say one of my jobs as an old firefighter is to make sure young firefighters become old firefighters. So the safety aspect for them and teaching them and trying to train them is very important. And I carry that on through my work life, too. So as an old worker, I like to see young workers become old workers. Uh, Great sentiment. Thank you, Butch, for sharing that. To provide some context for our whole grain listeners who are joining us today from all around the world, could you provide a brief overview of your role of safety director at the Kokomo Grain Company and about the Kokomo Grain Company in general? Where is it located? What commodities are you handling and processing and share in its role in the grain industry? Currently, I'm the safety director over the corporate events of Kokomo Grain. We're based out of central Indiana, which is Kokomo, Indiana. Just It's in the neighborhood of Indianapolis, an hour north. We currently handle basically corn, soybeans, and wheat. And we supply grains to different processors throughout the central Indiana and southeast areas of the United States. Just a little fun fact, previously, a few years ago, we used to supply about 75% of the grain to Jack Daniels down in Tennessee. Well, that that is interesting. <laughs> All right. Today, our discussion centers around the importance of creating and refining an employee action plan for grain elevators and grain facilities. Real briefly, what is your background in developing emergency action plans for a grain elevator and other facilities? With my outside background as being a firefighter and a police officer, I have a tendency to look at things a little bit differently than what most people would in an industrial environment. So I train and look at those roles and I go out into the facility and I find our employees to help with this program because they know the dangers, they know the hazards that we're looking at and how we're going to come across them. So if we throw a scenario out there and what would you do if this happened or whatever, and those people have a better idea of like what direction would you want to go, for example. So When I create a program for a facility, I go out, I get that information, pull it together, and then I kind of piece the whole thing together and keep it in line with OSHA as well. So, you know, another one would be an example. If we are looking at, say, what kind of alarms are we going to have throughout the facility, what areas would need to be a light and alarm versus just an alarm. So my experts out in the field are the ones who are the ones that really help center this program, and that it also includes their ownership too. So if they have a portion of it, they are also more inclined to live by it. Yeah, it sounds like they're invested, but it's nice to have your unique leadership and experience to really examine things. Butch, could you explain the importance of emergency action plans and the potential consequences of not having one in place? Yeah, whenever we look at things in repetition, for example, you have to do things so many different times before they actually become a repetition and automatic. You're going to do what you're trained to do whenever you have any kind of emergency, because when the stresses are on, your training kicks in, no matter what what that training is. And if that training happens to be there's nothing there, It's amazingly the human body at sometimes will just literally freeze up or the mind will freeze up. 
So with that being said, it's important to make sure that these action plans are written as simple as possible so they don't have to try to remember all these very in-depth situations and train on it frequently. I know they say you're supposed to review it and train on it once a year. I honestly don't think that's enough. So, uh, you know, we, we bring it up several times throughout the year. We, we cover different things in toolbox topics. We cover different things just in bits and pieces. You know, like in March, we come into tornado season, for example, and storms. Therefore, we, we talk about what are we going to do in those situations to make sure that everybody reacts properly. So the importance of having this program in place is to make sure that the people know what they're supposed to do. And, you know, in the elevator environments, we use a lot of temporary employees, too. So they can sit down and they can read it. They can get familiar with it. Whereas if you have nothing or it's a verbal, you know, OSHA allows if you're under 10 people, you could probably have just a verbal program. And to me, that isn't acceptable because, especially in an environment like this, because you, you got to have something up there for them when they come in as a temporary. They're not there every day, so they don't know. That's good advice. So it sounds like uh, keep it in, in the most simple terms, discuss it, make it part of what you do often throughout the year, not just one time, of course, and have different forms of communicating that out. Now, it's important to develop an understanding of situations that can and do happen within a facility. What are the most common types of emergencies that can occur in a grain facility? And what are the potential hazards with each type of emergency? When we look at emergencies, you know, this is something that is an unexpected event and it's unplanned. So when we have an emergency in the facility, sometimes it's an internal response, sometimes an external response, and many times it should be a combination of the two. And there's different aspects we got to look at in all these different ones, but the most common ones we're going to see is it could be something that's broke down and that could be an emergency as an internal situation. Generally, what we could have would be some type of an injury and sprains and strains seem to be a very high incident in grain elevators for some particular reason. Also, we got the entrapments. We have grain dryer fires. We've had bin collapses. There's just so many different things that could go wrong. So depending on what happens, an example would be if you had a dryer fire, if you had a grain dust explosion, it, it amazes me. A lot of the fire departments throughout the areas where I've been over the last several years, they're not familiar with how to handle grain dust fires. So with that, those types of emergencies, we got to make sure that we have communication between the location and also that first responder coming into the facility, identifying where different pieces are that they may be concerned with. An example would be, you know, is there a dryer or a bin that is not accessible or easily accessible? Do you have fire hydrants? Do you have some kind of a water system that they can hook to? So making sure all these hazards are met, it could be a situation where it endangers our people, also the first responders. I go back to the grain dust. If they go back and they use the high-pressure hoses that they're normally trained to do, that could kick the dust up and could create a grain dust explosion, which in turn endangers everyone. Entrapments, same way. I mean, if they're not handled properly, they can. the first responders could be at a disadvantage as well because of the fact 
they may or may not have experience with them. A lot of volunteer fire departments in our areas, they have farmers that's on on the fire department. And when they are, you know, that gives them some insight as to how grain elevators work and how grain bins work and how dust systems work. So making sure that everybody's aware of the hazards across the board is very crucial and how to handle each one of those situations so it doesn't present a further hazard for the responders and for the employees. Yeah, there's a lot to consider. You brought us some really good points here. This show is an important one. We recognize those who are tuning in right now vary in terms of their experience and working in a grain facility. And perhaps some people tuning in right now have worked on the development of an emergency action plan, while others have not done so and, and may do so in the future. We recognize there may be slightly different views and how to go about it, but could you share your perspective and experience. Can you describe a little bit more detail on the process of developing an emergency action plan? Yes. You know, going back, like I said earlier, when I go out and look at these different facilities, we have seven different facilities and each one of them has differences in them. So I will go and I'll look at their emergency action plan as they have it laid out. Again, I look at it a little bit differently from my background. I can look at it as a first responder coming in and I'll just start asking questions of the people that's working in the facility. And then whenever it comes time to actually write it down, I'll ask these questions. And I, I usually go in with the, the most common ones we look at. It's be your fire, your tornadoes, your severe storms. If you have a medical issue, what would be your most likely place where that would happen at? The people in that facility, how would they handle it? How would they look at it? What would be the best way? Because they know the best way to get, if somebody has a medical condition on the top of a leg, they know the best way to get there. When I look at all these different aspects, I go out, I gather the information from the people in the plan. I talk to the manager. I talk to the operations manager. And then we come back and we sit down. We put together this whole entire process. And it sounds like a lengthy process, but it don't always take that long. And my end of it, I usually write it out for them. They'll write it out and then I, you know, I'll try to clean it up so it makes sure that it complies with the OSHA standards. And again, we'll look at the different things, you know, like what is the most hazard by, cause I'll, I get news from across the nation, you know, either via Jeeps or Grain Journal or various other organizations that I get my information from. And we'll look at trends and, you know, history has a tendency to repeat itself. So, you know, those trends may very well cover throughout the entire area. And we even see them right here in the state of Indiana many times. So when we look at those things, I want to make sure that we address something that may not have actually come out during that initial thought process. And we'll try to incorporate that in as well. And that's where those toolbox topics come in. If you make a little bit of a change to this program, you need to make sure that the people are aware of it. So we go back and do that retraining in the toolbox session, which ultimately makes it much more frequent than once a year. Can you share what you believe are the key elements of an emergency action plan and why each is important? Key elements of the EAP needs to be, number one, first and foremost, it has to be easy to understand. If you read like an OSHA standard, it is a lot of I guess in the best way to put it, legal speak, a lot of the people out in the plant, they don't want, they don't care about that. What they want to know is what are they supposed to do if something happens? And 
with that being said, the best way to do it is to actually make it as simple as possible. I always target a junior high student, if they can understand it, then our people is going to have no problem understanding as well. So if somebody who walks in the very first day and there's an emergency, if they know what they've got to do, I feel that that's a successful program. Including in that is each person will have roles and responsibilities where they have to do certain things. You know, some of them may be if we have truck drivers on the lot and we have a tornado coming, how do we get that information to them? What do we do with them? Bring them into our shelter areas so they're protected. If we have a fire, same thing. How do we notify the customers? How do we notify the truck drivers who are coming in? You know, they may hear a siren. They may hear something on, you know, they may see lights flashing, but do they know what those lights mean? So we have a lot of different people out here that work in different areas. And, you know, that, that same group that helped me develop this program, they know what their roles are. If we ever have something, you know, we had a tornado went through the south end of town here several years ago. So just to be prepared for that, we sat down and we discussed it. We, you know, we kind of critiqued it. What was the situation from us? I mean, this was literally a couple miles south of us. How was it handled here? Did they feel like they were safe? Did they feel like something else needed to be done? So kind of taking those key components and just fine tuning them. But it needs to be more than once a year. And when we put all that together in one document, it needs to be short and to the point. And then again, very simple as much as possible. So when we're going through this, I also encourage our employees Make a plan at home, too, especially if they have kids. We're getting a lot of younger people coming in, so I encourage them to put together some sort of a program at home. So it's almost like a site-wide buy-in. So to me, it's important that, you know, we get them thinking here, and maybe they'll carry it home. That makes good sense. Yeah, it's it's good to promote that, for sure. Review it frequently than just annual. I mean, we need to make sure that these stay current, you know, an active shooter, you know, we've seen so many, I think I heard the number yesterday, of we're right around 200, you know, active shooters throughout, you know, mass shootings throughout the United States just this year. What's the best way to handle it? Is it something that we need to bring up frequently? The likelihood of one being here, you know, who knows? I mean, it, it's just, we have people coming and going. We have people that don't like the way that the economy is going and you know if we have situations that happen so touch on these things talk about them they're not pleasant to talk about they they are horrible to talk about and tornadoes i mean we seem like we've been having more and more tornadoes and high winds i mean how many people thought a hurricane would go across iowa a couple years ago so these are all things that need to be looked at recently we had a an elevator in this area that had a fire one morning and a grain bin collapsed that afternoon. So if you just do this one time a year, you're going to find it's going to probably be an issue if the day comes to where you have to put it into action. So please just keep reviewing it frequently, updating it, talk about it, and keep it in the mind of everybody's forefront. Because the other side of that thing is, too, is the more I see, and, and I kind of feel this is where I've had some success with my safety career, is because I've responded to so many of these things over the years that I see both ends of it. So you can learn about the after effects. You can kind of look at what would be available to prevent it. So I think it's pretty crucial. 
it's that tremendous experience you have, and it's hard to replace that. The listeners right now, I think it's good to support them at their facility or facilities. So you describe what's the process of implementing and maintaining an emergency action plan. You touched on that it is important to communicate this out, write it out, discuss it, break it down to smaller components, make sure you do that throughout the year. Can you touch a little bit more on, on some of the detail of implementing and maintaining an action plan that you haven't touched on too much yet? Yeah, the implementing of the programs, basically after we put it all together, we go back and I look at the the people who helped me, they look at it, make sure it makes sense to them. And then we go out and we start training it. We'll do an annual training where we talk about the whole entire program all at one shot. And then again, we come back and look at different things individually. To me, another part of the implementation process is to bring your first responders in. You bring your police, you bring your fire, you bring your EMTs, you bring all these people in, and they get familiar with your location because, you know, again, as a responding agency over the years, you get called into a business. I used to be at a facility where we did have some offshoot different little issues. You know, it wasn't an active shooter. It wasn't nothing like that. Most of it was a domestic violence situation where a husband and wife were separated and he wanted to come in and see her. But when those people come into the building, when you call the police officers, this building had like 68 doors around it and it had 58 doors across the back and a loading dock. And you tell them you're coming to this location and meet in this such such area, whether it be production or whether it be a warehouse or whatever, those police officers don't know where they're going to go. They're going to go to the front office and then they got to go through. So marking your doors and then identifying those areas for the police officers and the, the firefighters. You know, we we had a situation here before where the fire department didn't quite know how to get to a certain location where we had a problem and it was after hours. So getting them out here and being part of that, that is to me as much of an implementation process as, you know, training our people. Yeah, very good point. And we'll actually have an episode that kind of goes into more details of that, partnering with first responders. So great to be back here. Thanks for everything you've shared so far. Which, as we conclude today's show, what are some of those big key takeaways or big picture questions that grain professionals should be considering and grain facilities should be discussing? Big picture items we need to look at across the industry is I feel, again, a lot of our first responders are not that familiar with our environments. Getting them involved, again, making everything just as easy as possible. Our facilities across the country, even though they're different, the operation of them aren't enormously different. Okay, so when you go into an elevator and you see the way they they move grain from point A to point B into the loadouts where they load it out, and you look at the bins, the bins are usually manufactured by a limited number of manufacturers. And if you really get down and look at it, the quality may be different in different areas, but the actual construction of them are going to be pretty similar. We have fall protection issues within our facilities. We have entrapment opportunities within our facilities. We have grain dust within our facilities. So the big picture of putting this all together in one program to be across the board is very difficult because each one has little little trinkets of differences in them. But the overall operation is the same. So you're going to see the hazards going to be relatively similar throughout. It's just going to lay out different. With that being said, 
getting those first responders involved, getting your people involved and making sure that this whole entire program stays as simple and as straightforward as possible. I've seen some employee action plans before that were written just like an OSHA standard. And I walked away scratching my head wondering what I just read. So don't make that your your plan because it needs to be simple. And then, of course, again, review it many times throughout the year. That is great support for those who are listening right now. Thank you so much, which we are so happy to have you as a Jeeps member. We're so lucky. You've been a real leader in the green industry and have been very active member of Jeeps and just a supportive green industry professional, always willing to lend a helping hand. Jeeps members can learn from each other. They support each other. With that being said, I'd like to start a sentence, and I'd love for you to conclude the sentence. Being part of the Jeeps family means... It's an endless resource of information throughout the grain industry. And I mean, this is across the board, from safety to operations to merchandising, and the whole entire operation. It, you know, the ag industry in itself is a great family-oriented basis. And I feel Jeeps carries that as well. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Butch, thank you for serving as a guest on Whole Grain. It's been an honor and a pleasure to connect with you. Thank you for spending some time with Whole Grain listeners. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate it. Thank you for the listeners for listening to me. I'm always open for sharing ideas. Hopefully some of the things that I brought up today will help somebody. We thank our guest, Butch Hendricks, for serving as guest in this episode of Whole Grain. Butch has been such a big supporter of Jeeps and to the greater grain industry. We thank you. We look forward to providing a future Whole Grain episode dedicated to supporting a partnership between the first responders and grain facilities. It will certainly complement this episode and enhance your perspective and provide a great safety resource for you and your team. So be on the lookout for that episode. Thank you all for joining us today. We are very appreciative of your time and dedication to your personal professional development. The Whole Grain Show is a great way to take learning on the go. Remember, this episode and show is very easy to share with others. We encourage you to do so. Tell others about the show as we work to support grain professionals like you. Whole Grain is super easy to find. Just tell them to go to their favorite podcast app, such as Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and more. Do a search for Whole Grain, hit the subscribe button. That way, every episode is downloaded to your device as soon as it is released. And you can quickly catch up on past episodes as well. You can also connect with the show on the Jeeps website through jeeps.com forward slash whole grain, access the audio player, review the show notes and links, and access the transcript. We have listeners from 36 countries at this time of the recording. And if you find value in the show, please give us a five star rating and leave a comment. That really supports what we do and helps people discover the show more easily. Thank you so much. The Whole Grain Show is a production of Jeeps, the Grain Elevator and Processing Society. The Grain Elevator and Processing Society is the largest organization dedicated to advancing the grain handling and processing industry. Be sure to check us out at jeeps.com, G-E-A-P-S.com. And finally, if your organization wants to sponsor an episode and be a featured guest on the Whole Grain Show, or if you are interested in us producing audio ads to support your product or service, we can help you with that. Please reach out to me, Jim Lenz, Director of Global Training and Education at Jeeps. My email is james at jeeps.com, J-A-M-E-S at G-E-A-P-S dot com. Have yourself a great day and thanks for listening to Whole Grain.